It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and also on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcast from. It's a Sunday morning, the 30th day for October for 2022, and it's another busy morning. We've got the Sunday Rewind coming up. It's when we look back at some of the interviews, the predictions and some of the news that has made up the last seven days here on the Real Estate Podcast, including we are going to talk with Monica Shaw from Bondi Beach, a little bit of an update on the eastern suburbs. It's a very desirable and exclusive area of Sydney. Unfortunately, not everybody, though, gets to live there. We also, coming up, talk to Kate Ashton. This is a interesting story. Uh, Kate is from the Maryborough Ballarat Real Estate, and we're talking about a lifestyle change with a pub that you can buy, which is located in the gold mining town of Denali. In Victoria. Now, the pub doesn't have any beer, but it is rich in history and opportunity. And the property, incidentally, has been in the same family. Can you believe this? Since 1925. Also, coming up on the Sunday Rewind, we're going to talk to Carlos Cacho from Jarden. He's the economist there. It would be remiss of us not to think about and talk about the seventh RBA rate rise, which is fast approaching, coming up next week. And Nicola McDougall, she's in. She talks about the Queensland property tax grab that they tried to enforce and she tells us about her part in helping to overturn it and Jim Chalmers delivered the federal budget over the last week. We discussed the aspirational number of houses that they hope to build and Rich Harvey talks about why real estate agents have suffered a bad reputation in the past with the public and why that is. So that is all coming up very shortly on the Real Estate Breakfast Podcast. We talk with leading property commentators with analysis, predictions, forecasts, and what's trending every morning from 6:30. It's the main center forecast with PRD, selling smarter every day. And heading around Australia to check on your weather on this Sunday morning. And first we go to Sydney expecting blue skies with sunshine today, a high of 23 degrees. Late showers becoming windy is the order of the day for Melbourne and a high of 21. Good morning to you in Brisbane expecting blue skies and mostly fine with a high of 31 degrees and in Perth today one or two showers and 18 is your forecast top. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. So since we last spoke Bondi is doing what exactly at the moment? Well, we've, we've seen a buzz come back into Bondi since borders have opened. There's definitely more of a buzz. There's definitely more of an energy in the area, which has been fantastic. People are still transacting and people are still wanting to be in these areas because there's, you know, there's only a certain number of homes near the beach. And so we are still seeing that desired number of buyers coming in. And the investors, to the point, they are coming back too, aren't they? 
Absolutely. We've definitely seen an influx of investors come back into the mix. We saw a, a very quick departure of investors in the last year during COVID periods because obviously, you know, rentals were low. Now we've seen investors, student investors coming back. They've seen the market sort of bottomed out a little bit and uh, there's not much more in the market to bottom out. So, so people are starting to see the rise and are taking opportunities. And so because we're seeing rentals increase, you know, approximately 10, some places 15% from what they were during COVID, we we weren't expecting such a huge return to uh, good rental figures. So, yeah, we've seen uh, clever people come back in. They're buying. They're looking at long-term growth, good opportunities to purchase properties. Some of them, they're, they're not getting as much competition perhaps as others. And so they're capitalising on that moment. And what are some of the roadblocks that you've experienced since we last spoke in relation to the rate rise? Because there's been a few of them, Monica, since we last spoke. You know, there's definitely been a couple of roadblocks in terms of, of, of buyer sentiment and seller sentiment. I think people were concerned with how fast and how hard the interest rates were coming. I think now that we've had a few people have settled into a little bit more of comfort understanding what that means to them in terms of borrowing capacity, number one, what that means to them in terms of how much extra they will have to pay and, and how much less they're potentially going to get when they go to the banks. But also, uh, I think what it's done is is there is some comfort around the fact that, right, well, people still need to move, they need to buy sell, people are upsizing and downsizing. So I think it's just put real people who are serious in a different position mentally in order to do that. And people who are unsure or don't quite have all their ducks uh, lined up, they're sort of sitting back and, and will wait, as most people usually do. But but those people who really need to do something, I think will probably do something moving forward. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. The hotel was one of the oldest meeting places in Dunnelly Gold Rush time. So imagine the memories that you're buying here. It continued to be a hotel until 1925 when it was bought by the current owners. Wow, that's a long time uh, for one family. <laughs> it's a long time. It's nearly a hundred years. And really, majority of this property, I would say 80% of this, this actual property has stood still in time. Yeah, Amazing. exactly. The roof standing still in time if you don't fix the roof. The accommodation section, the roof's all good, but it's the billiard room that the roof came down in and some of the, the small kitchens and, and Cobb and Co accommodation areas. But what do we say? It's all in the eye of the beholder and it's a project, 2023 project. Yeah, well, I had to have a look and go back uh, through the history books to 1925. It was the same year that The Great Gadsby was first published by F. Scott Fitzgerald. The Chrysler Corporation was also started in that year, as was the New Yorker magazine. So long time ago. Wow. I think before our time, Craig. <laughs> exactly. Now, tell me a little bit about these 16 rooms of various sizes. And there's also a stable with one stall and a mezzanine level. So lots of storage capacity. Heaps of storage capacity. The stable and mezzanine level will start at the back of the property. Has beautiful cobblestone brickwork on the on the base. And yes, you could see where the horses were parked, where the hay was stooked up to the mezzanine level. But there's some beautiful architecture that's in this property. Obviously, they, they built things very differently back then. But yeah, there's around 16 rooms and varied stages of renovation required, as we would say in real estate. 
What about the question about the horse? Can you tie your horse up outside once you've renovated it? Oh, look, I think you could tie about uh, at least a dozen horses outside and about six inside. So there's, there's uh, the, the park across the road from this. I used to ride my horse down uh, probably where the tennis court is now. So, no, there's definitely, definitely space for parking your horse. We would absolutely love to see it brought back to life and utilised to, to welcome the public as well as maybe a private enterprise. So what is happening in the space of uh, beer in the town? Well, we've only got one pub and I don't think there's any beer at the moment. It definitely lends itself to having some great refreshments for the public to, to purchase as well as accommodation. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world and very affordable, like $500,000 approximately, you know. Put another million or million and a half into it and uh, still small coin. It's the Real Estate Podcast across Australia, seven days a week. Where do you think the RBA is heading into this seventh rise? Look, I think you know, it's, it's pretty clear from their recent communications, it's going to be another 25 basis point or 0.25% move. I think the hurdle to, to hike a, a larger, going back to half percentage point moves is, is very high. In terms of where they end up, our base case remains that they will get to about 3.1% by the end of the year. So one more hike in November and another in December. But we do see some upside risk in 2023, potentially, you know, one or two more hikes to the upside. Um, you know, so around three and a half percent. But uh, we really struggle to see them getting any higher than that. And the lag effect, want to talk about that, because the lag effect of these rate rises isn't really being felt for months after the rate rises are given. So given that the earlier rate rises have shown their effects, what is the RBA likely to be feeling at the end of October with what they're seeing in the economy? Well, look, it's still pretty early um, in the data. We haven't really seen any slowdown in the consumer yet in the in the kind of in the official measures of retail sales or consumption. We do know that there's about a two to three month lag before um, an RBA rate hike actually impacts consumer wallets. So that means we're not going to uh, consumers are not going to feel the effects of the rate hike we saw in September until December. In in our view, we're not going to see the sign of that moderation in spending really come through until the end of this year. So far, there's really not much evidence of it yet, aside from just sentiment being um, being quite low. We do think you're going to see that you know increase in mortgage repayments start to start to be felt, and um, and seeing a bit of a softer consumer spending as we head into Christmas. Yeah, and it's all about spin, spin, spins. And given that right now this is the important Christmas spin, which is coming up, what damage is that potentially going to do to markets that the RBA looks for in slowing down the expenditure rates? We are likely to see a fall in um, or a reduction in the growth in, in spending. Um, we know that the rate hikes we expect are, are effectively going to reduce household disposable income by about 5% on aggr- uh, in aggregate. For those households who are, you know, who are large mortgage borrowers, it's, it's going to be an increase in repayments of around 40%. So it is, um, it is pretty significant. One possibility, though, to the upside is that we could see people just putting it on plastic. You know, they may decide that, yes, the mortgage has gone up. I'm a bit shorter on cash than I'd like to be, but I want to keep Christmas alive and, um, and I'm going to put it on the credit card. And the risk there is that could make um, 2023 even, even worse if people are dealing with not only the effect of rate hikes and inflation, but also elevated uh, levels of consumer debt. These rate hikes are going to have a, a pretty material impact on a lot of households. 
You know, that's so true, isn't it? If people decided to chuck everything on the plastic and you had this massive blowout, I mean, there's potential there with all of these rate rises for all the good that the RBA is trying to do. That could really start the year off pretty awful. Yeah, certainly. No, if you, um, you know, the level of credit card debt is still well down from where it was pre-COVID. We saw people take advantage of a lot of those, you know, stimulus, uh, superannuation with withdrawals, etc., to to pay down their uh, consumer debt. Um, so there is the ability for that to go up, but I think that's really a short-term sugar hit, if you will, because you know at the end of the day, the money's got to repay it and and be repaid. And as we know, credit card interest rates are, are much higher than uh, that they are for for mortgages. So it is going to hurt households if they do decide to um, to put it all on plastic. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. And the Queensland land tax got axed. Now, you know a thing or two about what was happening there in Queensland. I do. In December last year, the Queensland uh, Queensland government announced a policy which, in short, proposed to use the total value of a Queensland property owner's portfolio across the country to determine the land tax that they would pay to the Queensland government. Uh, this had never seen the light of day before because it was ridiculous. However, it was proposed in December and most of us in the industry thought that either A, it was illegal or B, it just would never get through. Well, it did get through on the quiet in June. The REIQ uh, had been very vocal about this from the very beginning. Once the potential financial negative impact of this uh, land tax or cash grab became more apparent, then obviously more and more people from the industry started um, to talk about it publicly. At PIPA, we every year for the last eight years have produced what we call our annual investor sentiment survey. And every year we ask a standard set of questions to investors and we also ask questions that are about things that are happening at the moment. So this year we actually asked investors if they had sold a property in the last two years, where they had where they had sold a property, why they had sold a property. And we also asked investors if they what their selling intentions were for the year ahead and the reasons why they were considering selling. Now, that's a project that I manage every year. We secured 1,618 survey respondents from around the nation. So that was a significant sample size. When the results landed on my desk, oh, where are we? Probably about a month ago or six weeks ago. It was clear. Oh, look, I was shocked. I sat there at my laptop and I could not believe what I was seeing. The data showed that um, 16.7% of investors nationwide had sold at least one investment dwelling in the last two years. Of those dwellings, initial and um, additional analysis showed that from the majority, 63%, 66%, sorry, had been uh, bought by home buyers. So they weren't going back into the investment pool. And of those investors who had sold, a staggering 45% of all of the investors who had sold at least one dwelling had already sold a property in Queensland. We commissioned some additional um, analysis on that and that showed that there was potentially 162,000 investment properties that had been stripped from the Queensland market in the past two years. So needless to say, we spent some quite some time uh, preparing the report. We released it on a Thursday, which obviously it created um, a, a, almost like a national media frenzy, I suppose. So we released it on the Thursday and the Friday week later, the Queensland land tax uh, was shelved. Well, the Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers handed out the 2022 budget 
The housing component is big, it's bold, it's ambitious, it's never been done before. To build 1 million new homes over five years from 2024. Rich Harvey, what did you think? Yeah, well, look, a very ambitious policy, very light on detail. I mean, Australia typically builds between about 160 to 180,000 dwellings a year anyway. So they're really just bumping up that target by around 40 to 20,000 dwellings a year. But I've got to say, how are they going to build them? We need more electricians. We need more tradies. We just don't have enough people to actually physically build the properties. And secondly, the other major issue is the availability of, of land that's now titled or appropriately zoned to build all of these houses. So, look, I think it's a fantastic idea, but the execution and also the tax incentives, like they're talking about build to rent and getting superannuation funds and other institutional investors involved in rental accommodation. There's very light detail at this point as to how they will actually incentivize those other capital partners to bring about those new homes. So great idea, but let's see some more detail. So, Rich, why do you think selling agents have received such a poor reputation and negative rap on this one? Great question. Look, so many decades ago, Craig, agents were just absolutely distrusted. They were poorly trained and they came across unprofessionally. You know, there was that negative stereotype of that Gold Coast agent in their white safari suit, gold leather chains, driving a Mercedes coupe. Most people dislike agents because they just keep missing out on properties and they think the agent should be doing them a favour. And agents tend to play this game of cat and mouse with asking prices. They tend to give really vague answers when you ask them what price is the vendor seeking and they really don't answer you directly. But look, that's all a negative rap. But I can tell you in my experience in dealing with the vast majority of selling agents that I personally know, they're an absolute pleasure to deal with. They're absolutely hardworking professionals. They dress well, they abide by a code of conduct, they respect the laws and they do their role really well for the vendors. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.